Hello and welcome to the Three Chips podcast. I'm joined this evening by Carl and Jack. Boys, how's it going? Evening, Dan. Evening, how's things? Yeah, good thanks, mate. Good thanks. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Good stuff. Should we dive straight into it, boys? Let's go start talk about last game week, game week 24. Carl, do you want to kick off? How'd you get on? Yeah, took a minus four um, to cover the injuries that I had. Um, so, yeah, brought a few players in. Um, brought Peters in from Burnley, Dinier, um, Lookman, just to try and cover the, the double fixtures, really. Um, ended up on 61 for the week. Pretty poor score, really. I think it was kind of in the bottom half of everyone in the game week so yeah considering I'm not even sure how many active players we've got left at this point overall in the game not a good week really but one of those you you just got to chalk it up I had Barnes on the bench for 12 which is always a sore one but again what can you do nice Jack how about yourself mate yeah equally as underwhelming really I had um Sterling triple captain this week all out with 76 so Slightly better than you, Carl, and hadn't taken a hit, but really there with a the triple captain, there was the, the opportunity for a lot more. I think the only the only upside is that finally after, I think, two years on, on the bounce with a, a triple captain, see blank, Sterling's kind of assist has actually seen me get more than 10 points on a triple captain. So maybe you've got to take that as a, as a bit of an upside. But yeah, generally pretty mediocre. Um, Peters was one that I... Bought in as well. Obviously, annoying that he didn't make the second game. Um, no no points on the bench. Well, actually, no. Sifal on the bench. So, another week where some wrong decisions made on, on the starting lineup. But, yeah, 76 all out. Not great, but not quite as bad as others. How about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, similar to Carl, really. 62 points for me, uh, Captain Sterling. <clears throat> uh, thought he, in the two games that he had, I thought, Expected a bit more. Everton expected some goals there and same at Spurs, but didn't really seem to get anything out of that too much. So a bit disappointing, really. Uh, two Chelsea boys at the back did me a solid there against Newcastle. I think that's going to come in to be a good bit of business over the upcoming weeks for sure. And um, Madison and Fernandez, they've been quite consistent for me over the past few weeks as well. I was a bit disappointed seeing that Salah scored for Liverpool because he was who I took out for Madison, but. Madison's just been on the money lately and just repaying the faith. So, not a great week, but made a couple of subs for next week. So, um, yeah, onwards, onwards and upwards. I think we're probably a unique group or a unique pod in the sense that none of us actually own Gundogan. I think if you look at probably that that top 10k average is probably massively higher because so many people do own and probably would have captained um, Gundogan. Probably one for me of. Captain Hindsight again, if only I had gone um, Gundogan over Sterling, I would have had a bigger pot in, in the bank and would have had a, a bigger triple captain game week. But we'll go again. We'll go again. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those. The other lad that's in our um, league, Joe's captain Gundogan, and I could be on course to come bottom again. So I need to get something going and pull something out of the bag. Um, but yeah, like I said, I made a couple of transfers for the upcoming game week, boys. Um Got McCarthy out, a bit controversial, given Southampton have got a double game week. But no clean sheets in the last seven. Got Chelsea, Leeds, Everton coming up. Even if they play their doubles, it's against Spurs and City. 
I'm just not seeing where the clean sheets and the points are coming from. Uh, so we've got Sanchez in from Brighton. And I fancy that to be a good bit of business. Controversially, took Saka out and got uh, Rafina in for Leeds. Double game week coming up and they've got some good games coming up in order to hopefully get some good points on the board. I think you're mad on that um, McCarthy transfer. I mean, Brighton have defensively decent, but I don't know. I'm, I'm fond of a double, so obviously not all of them being confirmed yet, but who knows with goalkeepers, I guess. If they've got their double, though, Jack, their doubles are either against Spurs or City. City will... I mean, United put... How many? You know, nine past them. If United put nine past them, what can City put past them if they're on it? KDB sure. as well. I just don't see... Maybe maybe Sanchez isn't the right choice to bring in, but I think it's a bit left field. Brighton have been in a bit of form defensively, and McCarthy's offering me nothing, so it's as good a time as any to get rid. I haven't taken the points yet for it either. So I think just on the contrary to your two Chelsea defenders getting points, I had Mendy and goal this week who got dropped, uh, which <laughs> I don't think anyone's seen coming. So I'm relying on McCarthy in this coming week now that looks like Mendy might not be the starting goalkeeper. I think I was definitely set for one of the worst transfers in our league this year, taking out Martinez for Mendy. But I think goalkeeping-wise, you may have just pushed past the worst there, I think. <laughs> no, no way. That double. Martinez <laughs> move is the worst. 100%. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel there's an element of... Yeah, an element of being unlucky with the Martinez one, if you look at the Southampton game and the VAR decisions that kind of happened there and clean sheet against Arsenal, which you couldn't really legislate for. But yeah, to take a player out on a double game week for a Brighton goalkeeper, I just, I just feel, yeah. I mean, they've not played yet, but it's wrong. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, you just know it's wrong. <laughs> right, okay. So let's look at this, right, objectively. Brighton have got Palace, not known for banging in goals for fun. Right. And Southampton haven't exactly got the easiest of games coming up in this double game week. It's not as though you look at it and you think, that's a def- definite clean sheet. That's a definite clean sheet. They haven't conceded. They haven't kept a clean sheet in the last seven. Tell me where tell me where Southampton's points are coming from. They're not. I'll, I'll give you that on the on the Palace game, I think. Is that is that game week twenty five? Yeah. I think yeah. without Zaha, Palace are just well, they're not a, they're not a football side. They can barely do anything. So you'll probably get a clean sheet there, but I mean, with the upcoming doubles, I don't know. Uh, the rest of your side, maybe you're you're set and you're happy with the double gaming players that you've got. But I feel like there's there's got to have been other areas that you needed to make moves rather than the goalkeeper. But I think what you can look at as well is that with keepers, it's the the thing that's caught me out of Martinez more than anything is the save bonus. So if you look at Leeds, they take the more shots out of anybody in the league. Actually, and that doesn't equate to the most goals. So you can probably suggest right there that there's going to be probably some save bonus in the Leeds game, potentially the same in the Chelsea game. And also, if you probably don't legislate, I mean, I know they got beat 9-0, but say, for instance, they get beat, you know, by one goal, say it's 1-0. Then, you know, that's four points for appearances, maybe a bonus point in each for saves. That probably puts you on six points. I mean, that's that's the points bonus I mean, that's the point you're probably going to get from McCarthy regardless on a double. 
And then I think you're then looking at Brighton hoping that the best possible outcome happens just to match it. So, and the best one is, you know, you know, Southampton pull a result out of one of them two games, which isn't totally unlikely. I mean, it's quite likely given their form, but also Brighton coming up, right? They've got <clears throat> Palace this week, then West Brom, then Leicester, Southampton, Newcastle. So the next four or five games, they've got games that are keepable or capable sorry, of keeping these clean sheets. Whereas look at Southampton, Chelsea, Leeds, Everton, their doubles. They've got City and Spurs to fit in somewhere. Where are the clean sheets coming from? Not against Leeds, most shots. Everton are in some good form. Spurs will score goals with Kane back. City are formidable up front. I just don't see the clean sheets. Sure, they might get the occasional save, but I think it's the right call. I think I think, think long-term, I think long-term, there's not... I'm probably not disagreeing with you long-term. If you make this transfer next week, I don't think I've got any problem. I think making the transfer on the double game, I just think it's one that, you know, it's just not great, is it? You know, you're hoping for the best possible outcome versus a minimum outcome. Probably yeah, doesn't I mean, fit well, but yeah, it's I, I fancy it, boys. I think it'll I think it'll turn out all right. Um, I'm quite. I think not not to put a final nail in the coffin, Dan, but I reckon that transfer, the way your season's going, that probably does sign up you uh, sum up your your season so far. Not to be too harsh, but a bit of a stinker. I think it's <laughs> hard for Sanchez to keep a clean sheet and score. He's on penalties, isn't he? Um, Potter said, I think. Hey, you would, I would love to see it. <laughs> he bangs an attic. Uh, boys, I'll be living the dream. Um, talk to me. Like my goalkeeper, he gets dropped. Boys, imagine talk to me and get transfer. dropped. What's been going on with your your transfers this game week? Oh, Carlos? Shall I start? So, I've actually took um, a minus eight here. Um which I don't usually like to take points hits, to be honest. But I wanted to get Kane in and, again, hit with five injuries, which was one of them. I just It was just hard to kind of get around, I think. So I wanted to get Kane back in the team as well. So I took the opportunity with the injuries to just take the points hit and get it done with, really. So I've put in Rashford for Fernandez to, to save a bit of money there. I then took Calvert-Lewin out and put Kane in. And then, to get a bit more money, I've took Lukman out and put Jorginho in. Which I think was a shout I said on the pod a few weeks ago about Jorginho kind of scoring penalties. So, I feel I think I've got him in a 4.7. So, I don't think it's a bad option there if somebody to sit on the bench. But now I've got Kane and Son back in the team. It is a double. I think Rashford... I think with Cavani there, we'll start to score more goals. So that should be one in the team that's good. And I think Fernandez, before the Southampton game, did go on a bit of a blank spell um, with Cavani in the team. So I'm hoping that's the same going forward and I've made the right move. He scored twice tonight, Carl, in the Europa League. Did I see Dan James score an absolute <laughs> worldy of a goal. So to keep his legs as well after running it from the halfway lines. I, I just don't know whether that's much to go by. Although I did enjoy seeing Marino play again as a Newcastle fan. That was quite enjoyable. 
What about everyone else's team transfer-wise? Talk to me about yours. And I don't think I'm going to make any moves this week. Um, almost rage transferred Sterling out after his blank last night. Um, but yeah, I've got some moves in mind for 26. But I think probably it's right to at least wait um, until the Friday deadline to make any moves. I think um, Kane's price is locked, so he's not going to rise before the end of the game week um, or the end of, yeah, beginning of the game week, sorry. So um, I can at least leave him, leave that move um, until game week 26 starts. Um, so yeah, roll a transfer, see kind of how De Bruyne does if he gets more minutes. Um, might be one to look at. Same with Aguero. Um, current plans, though, for 26 are to go Antonio to Kane, Sterling to Gundogan. Um, and that would leave me with 11 on the double for, for 26. But I think we're going to come on to West Ham in a bit and talk maybe a bit more about Antonio. So maybe one that I'll see how, see how Antonio looks in 25 against Spurs. He almost always scores against us recently. So um, hopefully he kind of negates any points that Kane might get. Um, Kane also didn't play tonight but in the Europa League, but sounds like there's nothing to kind of worry about from that side, I guess, for you, Carl. Um, so, yeah, no transfers. Um, we'll wait and see. I mean, maybe there'll be a, a last-minute move on a Friday, but not planned at the moment. Yeah, I'm just looking at some key fixtures that you've got coming up for this game week. So, Leeds are on a double against Wolves and Southampton. I think there's goals in there for Leeds. Um, Southampton's also got Chelsea, Merseyside derbies this weekend, and Arsenal against City. I'm surprised neither of you two have tried to um, get another couple of Leeds players in, or at least have a double lead, have double Leeds in your sides. I thought that'd be something you boys would have considered. Yeah, that was another one I was, I was looking at for. Um, well, Peter's now. We'll, I'll bring him out of the side now. Taylor's back, and he's not going to play. Um, I mean, I, I might move late. That might be the late transfer I do and then take a minus four next week. But at the moment, I think looking at my side for 25, I'm generally pretty happy with it. Can say Diaz and Wambasaka at the back. If I bought in a cheap defender, I think, is, is it Struzek or terrible pronunciation? But there's a 3.9 million Leeds defender um, who's probably the obvious replacement for Peters. So, I mean, maybe I'll do that. But you got I don't know. Oh, at the back, the leads. Yeah, I just can't quite for quite can't quite afford him. I think he's four point nine. Um, whereas I think four point six will will be my budget for a Peters replacement. So, um, there's a few in there, but Dallas is the obvious standout from a defensive op- option. Um, it's just out outside of Dallas, some of their defenders don't really get a lot of points. Um, obviously clean sheets are hard to come by generally for Leeds and. They don't seem to pick up many attacking points from other defenders apart from Dallas. Um, Alioski chips in occasionally, but not that often. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Friday evening after a beer or two, I might find myself um, switching <laughs> Peters out, but, but we'll wait and see on that one. Yeah, Carlos, with them taking a minus eight, I thought you'd have put one of the Leeds boys in. I just couldn't afford to do it. I wanted to get Kane back in. So it was kind of take the short-term option with Leeds that is a total lottery, to be honest with you. Um, I think Bamford's the only one that's got consistent points. I mean, I looked at trying to get a midfielder in. Um, well, I did get a midfielder in when they got, um, when they had the doubles, kind of early, I think it was earlier in the year, um, or over Christmas, um, which got cancelled subsequently. But 
I'd put Harrison in, but Harrison's had kind of up upturns in form. Um, Rafinha's had upturns in form. I think in midfield, you kind of there isn't one that's kind of nailed. I don't think that you can kind of put your hat on and say that's going to get me points. But Carl, I th- I think you you a little bit wrong about Rafinha. I think I saw a stat earlier today or yesterday, and since I think it was game week nine where he started to be kind of consistently in the lead side and I think since then he's he's out just about outscored um Bamford since then so Bamford's the obvious one to own I think we all all do own him and got in at a relatively decent price but if I had some funds and was looking to make a more attacking move then I'd look at Rafinha um but yeah not not for me like you said Kai I think the double for Leeds might be one of those where it's just a bit of bait like Wolves and Southampton those could easily be two kind of relatively low scoring games um might be like a one or a two two and before you know it you've taken a minus eight to triple up on leads and you've kind of got six points in return so yeah not massively tempted saying that i will be captain in bamford i think on a double it's a kind of a no-brainer if you if you own if you own them to to captain them yeah i think if i have a look and now i think he's scored points in the last five weeks Rafinha and I think at the point of the double was you know just before that period that I put Harrison in I think before that it was kind of I think it was two contributions about three contributions in the previous 12 game weeks like you said so I think it's a hard one you know like Rafinha's had the last eight or nine game game weeks where he's scored quite a lot of points and it was Harrison kind of between sort of 9 to to 13. So, you know, maybe Rafinha probably is the one looking forward. If you look, he's scored in the last... Well, not scored, but he's had a contribution in the last five. So he might be one to look at going forward. I just don't quite trust it at the moment. As I said, with Harrison having a bit of an upturn, Rafinha's having his goal now. Part of it just feels like... It's that old fantasy dilemma, isn't it, where have you just missed the boat, boat on Rafinha? And to get him in for a double, which is, I think, I think them fixtures are a total lottery, by the way. I think Wolves have turned a corner a little bit to an extent. I think they're looking a bit better. I think Southampton, I think the form will turn again for Southampton as well. I, I just think them two games are a bit of a lottery and I haven't got confidence in the midfield, really. I quite like Danny Ings as a, as a bit of a punt for 20... Well, yeah, Southampton's got a double this week, haven't they? Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. Danny Ings is one to look at. I looked at Ings, I thought it was a potential option, but I think he's at 8.4. And Southampton, just for me, is a funny one because they started off the season so well and then they just went off the boil and they just haven't really, just haven't really scored many goals, haven't really won many games lately. I can't remember the last time they won a game actually, looking back through their fixtures. It's quite. It's quite bleak at the moment for Southampton. So I think even on a double game week, it's it's one I'd probably look to avoid. Um, Ings, Ings is always one of those players who like Sterling, actually. Whenever I bring him in and own him, he, he never does anything. So, yeah, not one I'll, I'll, I'll pull the trigger on, but you never know. He scored He scored last week, didn't he? A nice, nice volley. So maybe he might be turning the corner with form, which might mean Southampton do as well. So... Could be a, a decent one to back if you're kind of chasing ground, I guess. 
Yeah, as a Portsmouth fan, I'd love nothing more for them to keep up their losing streak. But now I've got McCarthy out, they'll probably keep eight clean sheets in a row. So what do I know about football? That's nailed on. So well, moving away from Southampton, West Ham are sort of that team that I wanted to have a main focal point around this week. On a great run of form themselves, past eight games, six wins, lost one, draw one, scored 14, conceded seven, three clean sheets. And Southampton were on a similar run of form not too long ago, just before Christmas maybe, and then dropped off the boil. And I now look at West Ham's fixtures with Spurs, City, Leeds, United, Arsenal coming up. They're quite tricky. Do you think, what are your boys' thoughts on keeping hold of the West Ham players? Are they still an asset to have? For fantasy football, do they still serve a purpose? Or now their price rises have come in, is now time there to get rid and look at a new team to build your base from for a cheap player? I think Antonio is one for me. I think you keep in your team. I think what is he's currently valued at 6.6. I'm, I'm guessing most people got him in, what, a lot lower than that, you know? Um, I can't remember what I got him in. I think it might have been 6.2, 6.3. For for me, Antonio, you keep in because I think even in these games, you know, like some of them fixtures you mentioned, I mean, I could still see goals, you know. Again, I think I'm looking at the fixtures now. Tottenham, could, I could see a goal against Tottenham, but I could see, you know, I could see Tottenham winning, but I can see a goal. And um, for West Ham, um, Leeds, I can see a goal. United, I can see a goal. So I think Antonio is the one you look at keeping in, but I think you're right. I think if you're looking at defenders for West Ham and you're against you know Kane then Man City then Leeds and then against Man United you know I, I think defender wise you, you look at getting them out yeah Cresswell is the interesting one he's owned by just over a quarter of fancy players he's got good form averaging sort of five six points over the past few weeks his value's increased by half a million since game week 17 I think you look at it, it's a bit different because Cresswell's always that option as, as a fullback. You're going to get the get assists in. He'll be putting crosses in the box for maybe for Antonio to put the ball in the back of the net. But defensively, for me, I think I look at someone like that and now is arguably the time to get rid. Um, the one, United, one, player, one West Ham player that come from United that's interested me and quite a few others, I think, is Lingard. Always never seemed to do underwhelmed I think is the right word for at United but he's come to West Ham and he's well, looked a bit of a different player over the past few games I know it's early days but is he worth a pump do you think? Jay Lings not for me I think as I said before one of the moves I'll look for to do in 26 is to to shift Antonio on for Kane um, I think really would tend to agree with you Carl about liking Antonio but I think out of Antonio Bamford um, and Calvert-Lewin, I think looking at the doubles, Antonio is going to be the one to make way for me. But back to to Lingard, um, I don't know. He's one to to own maybe if you just look into uh, have a bit of a light-hearted transfer. Maybe if you've got two transfers that you're going to burn, um, one regardless, then maybe he's a move for your fifth kind of budget midfielder. But for me, I mean, West Ham are only one of four sides without a double between 25 and 20, well, 28-ish. Um, so, going to maybe look to offload both Antonio and, and Tufel. Um, 
Having said that, West Ham are one of the only sides to have a game week in or a game in game week 29. So it might just be one that I, I keep in, stick on the bench um, through to 29 and then um, at least I'll have him playing for there. But yeah, I think West Ham will be one that go either way. They might push on and, and kind of keep up the momentum of um, where they are at the moment. They I think they're fourth or fifth um, as it stands. Could quite easily see them going the other way. Maybe they'll be kind of comfortable that not that they've stayed up but that they're in a decent position and they'll take a bit of take their foot off the gas a little bit um we saw it with kind of Leicester after uh, the lockdown last season they were in a similar position and and then it kind of started to unfold from there but yeah interested to see how Moyes does Jay Ling's I mean you gotta love him so why not give a bit of a punt and triple captain him in, in 26 but not for me I think as well, sometimes with a lot of this, you kind of do get sucked in to just fixtures and stats when actually if you watch the game of football and you look at West Ham and how they play, I think Antonio is the logical one just to leave in, really. I mean, he's strong in the air and he tends to, as a striker, hang on the last defender and run in behind. He's not the kind of striker that drops deep and comes and collects the ball. So if you're looking at any kind of counter-attacking threat, Antonio's going to get in behind. If you've got a set piece, it's going to go on Antonio's head. So I think, you know, stats and fixtures at the door, if you're just watching the game of football, then he kind of makes sense. Whereas if, if Antonio was going to be somebody against the big teams that drop deep, you're probably thinking, you know, is he then going to be able to, you know, lay the ball off and then get back into a position and receive? But actually, it's not really the case with him. So I still think it's worth leaving in there at the price. But yeah, any defenders should probably come out. I think, I think I'm maybe accounting for his hamstrings as well, and saying that I'm comfortable, comfortable in getting rid. I think where he's kind of West Ham's only, um, well, he's not even really an out-and-out striker, but playing that striker role, the only one in there, and he's kind of whenever he's even slightly fit, he's he's played. So it feels like he's always one kind of overreaching tackle or foul away from kind of popping that hamstring again and out he goes so yeah I think one that could go either way so yeah let's uh, wait and see on Antonio I guess I think if you're looking at West Ham as a whole take fantasy out of the equation is it are you excited to be a West Ham supporter at the moment do you see this form continuing you see where they are in the league almost almost could get Champions League for the form that they're in at the moment it's not it's not unheard of. No one looks like they're set in the world alike apart from City so far. Um, is it exciting or do you think the players are going to start going on their like, virtual holidays and um, or taking their foot off the gas with the bubble burst? I think you've got to be excited as a West Ham fan, haven't you? I think if you looked at the summer, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have put West Ham in this position. I think if I, if I try and remember, remember rightly, I think West Ham weren't actually happy at the business they did in the summer. I think Dawson came in, which didn't, he's been great, but didn't exactly as a transfer kind of set the world alight. I think then you look at, um, I, I can't remember the winger's name, but they had a, a winger that left to go to West Brom and he brought in, um, they brought in Ben Rama from, uh, from Brentford. And I don't think they were greatly happy about that. And again, like you say, they didn't really strengthen up front when Haller wasn't meeting the business, but we sold him now in January. But 
and it was really just Antonio there. So I think for what the expectation was this season, I think you've got to be happy as a West Ham fan, haven't you? Especially when you look at the kinds of money that Everton spend, for example. I think it goes to show how good a job Moyes is doing, really. Like, Carl, all those points you mentioned there basically shows that their squad isn't kind of particularly good. And yet Moyes is week in, week out, getting a tune out of them in a very similar kind of fashion to what he did at um, Everton. What similar to kind of I guess West Ham fans not liking the board, they didn't like Moyes really. weren't particularly happy with him, I don't think. Um, him being brought back in, um, and obviously that alongside the the um, summer window activity. I think if you had told a West Ham fan they would be in the position they're in, um, I don't think any of them would have believed you. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting points. I'd be excited as a West Ham fan. I think some of these fixtures coming up might maybe show a bit of a reality check of where they're going to finish at the end of the season. But if you said to a West Ham fan, look, you'll be fit 24 games in. I think any West Ham fan would take your arm off for that, really. The opportunity to even get top four is, is unheard of, um, especially with Moyes. I think it's, it's good. I'm quite glad, actually, that Moyes is doing well. I thought he got he did obviously really well at Everton back in the day and then I think he got a bit of a, a poor deal at United and shown out a bit early so I'm quite glad that he's come back and he's doing the business at a club like West Ham that actually they need it but you look at what their expectations are they've always been sort of floating around and no one's really come in and taken them to the next level maybe Moyes could be that man um, alternatively Moyes could be the man that gets them to finish fifth this year and they finish relegation zone next year and they're sort of their own success is their own downfall, but I think it's exciting times for, for West Ham for sure. Yeah, I think there's an irony, isn't there, that actually Moyes, you know, had West Ham in the past. I think it was on a temporary kind of thing to the end of the season. And he got let go. I think Pellegrini got brought in after that. And the idea was that Pellegrini was going to be the person to take them forward and I don't think Pellegrini's enjoyed any of the success that Moyes has this year at all so I think there's almost a kind of irony in that that you know Moyes is almost just picking off picking up from where he left off when the board didn't really trust him at that point yeah one one thing I think might actually help West Ham kind of final third of the season is the fact that we're, we're still in a lockdown like what else have those players got to do but to kind of properly go for it? Like, if, if we're not in the situation we're in, maybe there might have been one or two that kind of had a distraction here and there, which meant performances maybe dropped ever so slightly and they were thinking about that holiday to the Maldives or to Dubai or whatever, but that's just not coming anytime soon. So it feels like Moyes has got that squad kind of all pulling together in the right direction, which you kind of take good signings and talent out of the equation and that goes a hell of a long way. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really like West Ham as a Spurs fan, but I'd, I'd quite like them to maybe just do it, go for that top four or at least top six, um, but could easily drop next season. Like you said, Dan, it could be a, a one-season wonder under Moyes. Who knows? But yeah, let's watch that one run, I think. Do you think... So, I mean, someone's going to benefit from COVID. And do you think West Ham are that team that have benefited in the fact that there's no fans in the stadiums. I've been to West Ham Stadium and compared to Upton Park, it was soulless. There's no real atmosphere there. There's 
I feel, feel as though when the fans are there, there's a lot of pressure on the players to perform. And maybe now there's no fans in the ground and there's obviously there's no home fans there when they go away, away, there's just less pressure on the players. And actually, as a result, they're starting to perform. So is that outrageous? Or is... There's an element of that, I think, for sure. I think when you've got no fans, um, no fans in, I think it's one of them where some players will play there and some players won't. So I think there might be an element to some of that. I think I think it's one of them with as well with actually West Ham. I think it's just, it just almost seemed to have gone back to basics, I think, which is kind of testament to Moyes. They're not trying to play this real elaborate style of football. It's players playing in their actual positions and it's kind of simple football. I think to a degree. So I think that's part of it as well. But yeah, I think, as you said, there's, there's clear, you know, in terms of teams or some teams that play, you know, must play a bit better without fans and some that, that, that don't. I think it's got to be a factor, right? Yeah, for sure. Because I see some, some fans, you'll tell me a lot about Newcastle, Carl, about the atmosphere that's there at, at St. James's. And if you've got that atmosphere there as a home player, it'll be something that you miss. But whereas the atmosphere is not at West Ham because of the way the stadium is or the way the fans are with how they feel about the club. I don't know the exact reasons, but I think there's got to be a factor in that for sure. I think, yeah, using Newcastle as an example, it's quite interesting because I think we're currently sitting 17th. And actually, I think it could have been a whole lot worse, I think, with fans in the stadium because I don't, I don't think fans would tolerate some of the performances that you're seeing so I think there would be booze and stuff in the stadium and you know you, you hear from you know um, ex-players and stuff that booze do actually get to players a little bit so it could be a whole lot worse you know in that way um, some of the performances very much remind me of the McLaren season and there was a bit of a in the McLaren season there was a turning point in the Bournemouth game I think it was the 29th to the 30th game in the season against Bournemouth at St James's we lost 3-1 to Bournemouth and they totally played us off the park and the booze around the stadium was just like something you've never heard before um, so there's certainly in that game I think there was an impact there um, and it almost felt like a turning point really McLaren lost his job it was like kind of like point in time so I don't know if you would have got that at West Ham, you know, I think they didn't start the they didn't start the season very well at all, if I remember rightly. I I think they had a really poor start, and I think people are even saying could they go down? I think if you remember really near the start of the season, someone's probably going to fact check, and I'm going to be totally wrong there. But yeah, they would have a great start for sure. Because I mean, we discussed it on our on our group chat, and I don't think it, either three of us thought that West Ham would would do very well, let alone turn it around to the level that they are now. So, so I'm actually just looking, so maybe. A, a bad start overall wasn't quite fair. I think it was just that we beat them 2-0. I remember we played them off the park. Um, yeah, that is a poor start, yeah, yeah. But like, not totally. I think they then went to Arsenal and weren't great. Then it looks like they bounced back at Wolves and Leicester to get it going and then had that 3 all draw at um, Spurs when they were 3-0 down. Sorry, Jack. Um, but yeah, I mean... You know, in the Newcastle and Arsenal game, could be was around the stadium have impacted them if that had happened. Because, yeah, who knows? All right, good stuff. Moving on, boys. Um, do you want to talk about King of the Game Week? 
I'd prefer not to, based on last week's performance, but I suppose we might as well do a quick round and see how we all got on. Mind me, boys, who did you, who'd you both go for? I had Pope. Decent week for me. I think I won, right? So I had Pope. Carl, I think you went Lookman back in your, your captain pick. And Dan, begrudgedly, well, not begrudgedly, actually, at all. You you went Suchek to try and bait me out, um, but that one backfired. So, yeah, clean sheet in the first game week for Pope um, gives me the win, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, um, so we looked through the game week so far. So we've done this. This is the fourth game week that we've done it. We've all won one and Jack's won another. So at the moment, Jack is edged slightly ahead. Um, I've got the luxury of having the first pick this week, boys. Um, I'll leave the discussion to you. It's quite straightforward who I'm going to go for. I'll have Pat Bamford. Double game week. The obvious pick. I'm captain in this week. I can't really see anyone else who to go for. Fight amongst yourselves, boys. Uh, it's me next. And I think, as I alluded to earlier, the other obvious pick is the second Leeds option in Rafinha. Um, the other ones that I would look at outside of obviously Bamford, I think Ings, he's 8.4, so he's just under our, our cut-off at 8.5 million. Um, I think a, a, a nice punt maybe on Neto um, in an okay bit of form for Wolves could be one to turn up. But yeah, Rafinha for me. Um, I think Leeds should, well, I think anyone on the doubles them being leads, they'll get some sort of attack in return. So I think me and you, Dan, will be quite closely run on that one. Yeah, well, I've got both of them in my fantasy. So if you do beat me, I'll chalk it up as a success either way. <laughs> Win-win. Alas. Well, I think you've probably just took the two there. I, did, I probably do need to have a look through and see. I'm sure I picked last about three weeks out of this four. So I'm going to have to have a re- have a, have a check of this, I think. But throw some ideas your way if you want. You got Calvert Lewin against Liverpool. Liverpool haven't got the best defence at the moment. So um, we've got a double game week, and you wanted me to go the Merseyside derby, which is notoriously low scoring. <laughs> that was that's what I was. Going to but it feels a bit at, of a sap. <laughs> if you want to look at a double game week, there's worse players to look at than James Ward-Prowse. Jack mentioned Danny Ings. Um, if you fancy yourself against a for a Leeds clean sheet, we can all pick a Leeds boy and you can have someone at the back. <laughs> or you could just go Dwight Gale. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a couple there's a couple in my mind actually. Um so I think as I said it's you know Harrison's got quite a lot of points this year, so Harrison's kind of on my mind. I think Southampton they've got to have an upturn in form at some point in time. So part of me is tempted actually to go with Che Adams. But actually, so I cut Adams off eight point, is I cut off eight yeah, point five. Yeah, yeah you've got, got to go in, surely. Yes, that's my pick, Danny Ings. Yeah. I thought for some reason he was nine, but he's eight point four. So I'm gonna go Danny Ings in a upturn in Southampton's form. I think the the three most obvious picks there, but what can you do when it's a double game week? It restricts us, doesn't it? So, well, apart from Dan, who took a goalkeeper out on a double game week. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you went actually, Dan, you went Suchek last week. He was on a single game as well. So, yeah, I know, but I was a bit flustered last Lost week. Lost your head. 
Yeah, I did. I was a bit flustered, and I just did it just to get a nibble out of you, but I failed in both aspects. So <laughs> I got big Pat this week. Um, he'll bang in a few goals. He always captains himself in fantasy as well, which sort of gives me a bit more hope for him because he's going to want. I know footballers are going to want to score and do well anyway, but if you're a footballer and you captain yourself in fantasy, surely that just gives you that bit more motivation, as if a yeah, couple grand isn't enough to motivate you. He's probably got like playing ten grand cash leagues with some of the other boys as well, so he's definitely helping. Something semi-related to Bamford, and I think we've all said we're probably captaining him. Do you think? Obviously, you can roll a transfer in fantasy. How do you think the if they introduce the ability to roll a captaincy pick up to like you can have maybe two, well, basically a triple captaincy in the bank if you don't use it in a week? Do you think? Could see that working? I know it's a bit of a random question, but something I was thinking about whilst you were chatting there, Dan. That is quite a random one. I think that actually that would be quite interesting. Um, I think you'd see a lot of people do it, especially if you've got a lot of big hitters and you've got, you can see, because generally one of your big hitters is going to play to 20 statistically worse sides most weeks. So you've got three or four big hitters. I think a lot of people would use it. I know I certainly would think about it. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it'd be good, mate. Right in, right into FPL. Make sure I'd you be, give you know, it so, shout out when so you do I, can, it. I can see the big upside of it, but I'm so bad at picking captains that if I'm having to pick a triple captain every other week, it's just going to end badly. So I, I just would never, ever roll the pick and just stick There's it on. There's an element, isn't there, where it's kind of like if you then get into a, you know, what happens then if you get into a, like a double game week and then you're looking at, having a triple captain then potentially as a, ba- a bench boost there as well like you could just end up with like thousands well, not thousands but hundreds of points you know just because you could hit a triple captain on a bench boost week triple. or something i was thinking more the triple triple so what if you like rolled over a dub your captain so you had a triple that so to say i had rafina as my triple captain this week because i rolled one over from last week and then i played my triple captain chip You'd be laughing if someone. Uh, it couldn't work like that, could it? I think it would have to be. If you could. You couldn't. It, it would basically be a triple captaincy chip that replenishes if you don't use the captaincy, and then you can't use it at the same time as any other chips. It could maybe work, but I don't know. I'd fancy a triple triple, you know. And I'd fancy you, Jack, to get still less than ten points. I fancy a triple cheeseburger now, mate. Now you said triple. I'll tell you that. One one last thing on triples. I've got a triple city defence here against Arsenal. What's the thoughts on that? Play them all. It feels it feels risky, doesn't it? Boys, I, mate, I'd bench one of them. I've got look at so my team at the moment. So I've got double Chelsea against Southampton. I've got Diaz and Stones. I've benched Stones, starting Diaz, and I've got Wamba Saka against against your boys from the northeast. So on the bench, I've only got on the bench. I've only got Peters and Dinya, and Peters is out. Certainly used me dinner against Liverpool, so oh, you, well, you have to triple then, don't you really? I feel I'm forcing the triple city against Arsenal. I feel I feel my season could spiral after this. You know, I'm sitting 196k after a bad week. Was in I was in the highest point in the top definitely in the top fifteen thousand. I don't know if it was any higher. Is any this an admission that the wild card was bad? No, the wild card the wild card was necessary. <laughs> But I'm at a point here where it's like it's just spiralled. I think the team injuries and stuff it's just it's killed me. How many tips have you taken since your wild card? Which was about what three or four weeks ago? 
12. So you've taken a minus four last week. And the minus eight this week. So. Minus eight this week. I think the problem is got... that I've ended up with seven injuries in that period, I think, is the problem. You know, that's kind of killed me a little bit. So you've got I to make about subs. seven, really. Well, we spoke about five last week. I had one the week of the wild card, and then I've had the, when I just hit the wild card, and I've got Peters this week. So leads me on seven. So it's just it's just killed me a little yeah. bit. But... but Peters isn't an injury though. That's just Taylor's back now. So no, he's injured. He's actually he was out the whole wow. squad last game week, and he's he's but now injured. It's that's a bit irrelevant because ta- now Taylor's back. Um, Peters won't play. I thought this, but you've looked. Peters and Taylor have actually played together quite a few games this season for Burnley, so I feel they might have played together. But who knows? But all I know is he's injured now against West Brom at home. So what can you do? Yeah. All right. Final final thoughts for this boy should be a quick and easy one. Wheel captain in Bamford. Yeah. No brainer. See, knowing that you both are is making me think to go elsewhere a little bit. I'm I'm looking at Kane or Son against West Ham and I'm thinking it was three all in the last game. I think that could be high score and I'm I'm very tempted just to put it on Kane and yeah, but what go do you for the think? best. Oh, I get that, right? And I get you maybe need to go a bit different from Jack because he's breathing down your neck, right? But you've got three City boys at the back. Arsenal score. Bamford bangs one or two in. Jack captains him and Son and Kane do nothing. Hey, it's game over. Even I'll catch you at that bit and I'm miles behind. Yeah, Dan, it's them kind of moves. That's why we're talking six digits and you're talking nearly eight digits in the standings. Eight, eight digits and six digits? <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I'm top 200k and you're sitting in about eight million or something. I don't think that's how digits work, though, mate. I think there's a difference between six and eight digits in 200k and eight million. Well, Carl, I think you got to go 200k Bamford, has six digits, doesn't it? That said, though, boys, just as an update, because <laughs> I know you both care deeply about my overall rank, I'm I'm back, I'm back below the or back above the top million now. So I'm currently one million one hundred and seven thousand one hundred and twenty-four. Um, aim is to break the mill by the end of the year, and um, I'll report back to you, boys, every week. It's just um, shocking, Dan. We'll leave it. Let's. I think, boys. Let's leave the podcast there. <laughs> leave it on that note of my strong performance, and um, we back again next week. Good stuff. All right. Always good to chat to you, boys. Have a good game week. Hope it all goes well. Especially your captain Jack, because he's the same as mine. Best um, of luck, yeah, good luck, mate. Reconvene. Best of luck. Cheers, lads. Cheers, boys. See you later.